All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Third down and five, ball on the 22 of the Panthers' side of the field. Three wide receivers, two move in motion to the left as Campbell takes a chest-high snap. Now has room to run, he steps up and gets blindsided by Khalil Young. Picked up, Jeffrey Ellison to the 20, to the 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Panthers! A scoop and score with 33 seconds left. Campbell gets blindsided by Young. The ball comes loose, and Allison takes it up and runs it in for six. Now back to 95-7, the game. That was the golden pipes of one. (laughs) Evan Giddings on the call with the Panthers. Was that Allison that went the distance? Jeffrey Allison Jr., my man. Good stuff. Couldn't do it without him. Uh, Did they win that game? They did not. How are they this year, by the way? Uh, it's a bit of a tough stretch recently, Dan. They won the first game of the season, home opener at SAP, three-point victory, came down to the final play, was exhilarating, and uh, since then it's been a seven-game slide. You got it, bro. You got it. You got the X factor. I'm telling you, you know how overly critical I am on these things. What's, what's the destiny for you? What's the pinnacle? Besides hosting with me. Ooh, well, you know, this has been... It's the, all downhill the, from here, right? I was going to say, this has been the peak of my career uh, to this point, hosting with you, Dan, but... No, I mean, the, the goal would be to do play-by-play for a team, do radio, host a show. Um, you know, Michael K. I I guess, would, would be the goal. Like that, that guy, to me, gets to live through every medium. He gets to talk about the game and describe it in the, in the second it happens, and then he gets to talk about it the day after. Is he the guy that has the home run call out there in New York? Uh, he is not John Sterling. Sterling, and that's right. your, I was yeah. going to say, yeah, you got to aim higher than that. <laughs> well, he's, he's been in the booth for 50 years, so no, he must be doing true. something right. That's I know it true. hasn't been great for him lately. Yeah, no, Kay's got his own show. That's right. Yeah, the Michael K show. Yeah. yeah, all right. We want to take a call out here. 888 We're going to go to the islands. Oh, boy. <laughs> Standing by is a gentleman by the name of Craig. Craig, what's going on, and how are you this afternoon? You better have a Mai Tai. <laughs> hey, all I know is I had to put one down to pick up the phone, but... I, I, you guys said Fox and Brady. I don't know if Brady better watch out because that guy on that play call right there, he coming for his job. That guy was good. Let's just reset this. This is, of course, a friend of the program and one of the star producers and the guy who sits behind the glass and in front of the mic. He is the amazing Craig Valentino, who, by the way, is out in Honolulu, Hawaii. And as I understand it, my man, are you ever coming back? Like, your social media is blowing up. You're at these luau's. We're worried that you're done, man. What's going on? I can't how, blame you. How are the islands treating yeah, you? Yeah, I don't know how you ever... I don't know how you ever left this place, dude. 84, absolutely gorgeous. Got luau's, got drinks galore. I mean, this... When they, when they talk about heaven, I'm like, you know, it's not Iowa. It's this place. Well... The thing is, is that once you start living there and start paying $10 for a loaf of bread, then you come back and you realize it's expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because, yeah, continental breakfast can only take you so far. That is so true. I I agree with you on that, bud. So what's going on? So talk to us. You had what I thought was sort of insightful, as you always do, when you were talking about pay cuts, and you mentioned Steph Curry. What's up? Yeah, I was listening to you guys, and, uh, you know, heard – 
that ownership has to make a decision. And I agree that, you know, at the end of the day, you can't pay everybody, even though everybody wants to get paid. And I thought Evan made a great point, you know, do you want to win or you want to get paid? Because sometimes you can't do both. And I'm like, well, there's a guy who's been paid and there's a guy who has won. Steph Curry, he's been paid and he's won. When are we going to say, hey, $50 million, well, maybe you take $40 million and you'd be able to keep some of these guys around. We talk about, you know, you don't want Wiggins taking this, taking this pay cut because he's only 27. Steph ain't 27 no more. A lot of the guys we look at in other sports that take pay cuts later in their career to make the team go longer, they do this at 33, at 34 to try to get that one last run. So when are we going to fans going to say, hey, you know, Steph, we love you to death, but when are you going to take a little less to make this thing go a little bit farther? Hell yeah. That, that's that's a good point, Craig, although I, I would throw this back at you. From the time that Stephen Curry was a rookie, the I think the Warriors were worth less than a billion dollars, and right now they're worth, you know, I don't want to be counting pockets here, but, you know, roughly five, five-plus billion dollars, and much of that is because of Stephen Curry. So do you feel like he kind of has a right to that money to ask for however much he wants? Oh, I'm like you. I always think if, if... – if I'm, if I'm willing to – y'all want to pay, and I'm willing to take every dime of it. But I'm just saying, when it looks at – we talk about the long run here, and we talk about as a team and, want you know, just trying to keep everybody around, then you're telling Wiggins to, or, you know, somebody make a $30 million to go down to 25 is that $5, five million really going to help us? Like you said, he ain't going to take 15. So, <laughs> but if this is a little bit easier to get a guy from 50 down to 35 than it is to get a guy down from 30 down to 15. So that I look at it that way. You're right. And Steph, in his first couple of years, they were, you know, I think it was getting, what, $10 million a year when he signed that one deal that kind of helped put this all together. So you're right. He does earn the – deserve the bread and all of it. But I just look at it as, as a fan saying, all right, we want to keep everybody around. You know, if you trim a little bit off the top, maybe that can go a little bit farther than trying to cut the guys at the bottom. Craig, are you adjusting to, as locals have to out there – on the islands that when you're watching games out here on the West coast or the East coast, that you, that time differential, which is obviously three hours behind. Yeah. Behind the West coast. Yeah. Appreciate you waking up by the way. It's like 8 a.m. there, right? That's the, that's the crazy. Like I, I saw the Milwaukee game starts at 9 30 a.m. And I was like, Oh, okay. That threw me for a loop. But here's the crazy part. So, you know, my kids are still in Atlanta. So that's a six-hour time difference. Yes. So, so they're they're hitting me up for breakfast, and it's like two a.m. here, and they're like, "Dad, can you get Uber Eats for me?" And I'm like, "What time is it there? Like, go to bed." <laughs> and they're like, "It's like nine a.m. over here." And I'm like, "Oh, geez, Louise, this the math is all off." So yeah, that uh, you could definitely get lost in the the different time zones out here, but uh, it definitely is amazing, man. I I miss you guys like crazy. I was watching the uh, I went to the Polynesian Culture Center like you had told me to. And it was unbelievable. If you ever get a chance to come out to Hawaii, definitely got to do it. You will learn about all the islands from you know Fiji to uh, Samoa and just learn about all the different facts. And they have a huge luau at the end. And it's literally an all-day event. It's from 12 to like 10 p.m. So you, you spend the whole day there. You learn so much about the cultures and different cultures. And, of course, I'm at the uh, the uh, the dinner. They have a huge dinner for you. They roast the pig. All of it's amazing. And, of course, I got my phone out, and I'm watching the Warriors game, and I'm kind of screaming. Uh, <laughs> Stephen were hitting threes, then Clay hit that three down the stretch, and he's throwing, throwing six, and I'm screaming. Everybody's looking at me. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm watching the Warriors game, y'all. Just you know, go back to the luau and have fun with that, but got to watch my dubs. What do you got slated for today before we let you go? I'm salivating. Just think about this. Uh, a slow-roasted hit- pig. <laughs> Oh, dude, bro, it was it was so amazing. Um, and today, pretty much making it a lazy day. I want to hit up Pearl Harbor, so get, definitely do that kind of stuff. Um, hit up a couple of those things, and then, like you guys said, I'm I guarantee I'll be having two drinks in each hand as I make my way down to the beach and just live my best life. Oh, dude, that, that's all I'm doing. Let's play him out. Let's play him out. Oh, there you go. <laughs> 
Craig Valentino, enjoy it, and then get your butt back here. We miss you, brother. I'll be there for game one. I'll be back Wednesday. <laughs> Love you, big dog. Craig Valentino from the Islands of Hawaii checking in with us. Thank you so much there, Brian, for some nice Hawaiian music. As we hear from the man, Craig Valentino. So, yeah, it's interesting to note. I mean, it's sort of – we talked about Tom Brady as a broadcaster, but isn't that sort of what Tom Brady would do annually in order to win Super Bowls and, and maintain that winning status is that he would take those pay cuts? I mean, I'm not asking Steph to do what it is that, you know, maybe Craig's referencing, but I think you, you put up a good point. But first of all, I want to hear your, your take on, you know, whether or not he should, he should make that – if he should take that pay cut in order to keep the Golden State Warriors potentially winning NBA titles. Well, I think what we brought up earlier as far as choosing between winning and getting cashed out, it is it to me it doesn't really apply to Steph. Like that dude has given so much to this area, to this organization, that to me, he has the respect of anyone no matter what he chooses. And like Stephen Curry is already proven. He's already in the hall. He's already in the history books of the NBA. So whatever he chooses to do, I'm gonna be fine with. I think that it doesn't that situation doesn't apply to other players because number one, you know, as I mentioned before, Curry is the reason why the Golden State Warriors are what they're worth, that what their brand is worth, and what they mean on a global scale as opposed to what they were before, which is much more of a local, lovable, underdog type team. Also, a good point brought up on the Xfinity Mobile text line: Steph Curry already took his pay cut. Now, it was because he was facing a lot of injuries earlier in his career, but there is a reason why he was, I think, the sixth highest paid player on the 2015 championship team. Like, that was a big storyline going in, that he was making $11 million a year. He was coming off the ankle injuries. The Warriors got a bit of a bargain, and he allowed them to bring in a guy like Bogut. He allowed them to, you know, eventually spend money on guys like Clay and Draymond and then also bring in an Iguodala and pay him what he deserved because Steph wasn't making that much money. It's grown exponentially, and it should. So for Curry to make $50 million or or whatever he's going to be making by the end of his, his contract, I have zero problem with. And if he decides that, hey, I'm worth the, the 45 to 50 after when he's 36 years old, it isn't like... <laughs> It isn't like he's James Harden asking for $45 million when he's tired and old and sluggish. And let's you know just put it out there. He's, he's got a fat now. So he can't get to the rack the way he used to. He's fat. Uh, thank you, Steiny. He is. And it's not like he's got James Harden's resume asking for big dollars. He is Stephen Curry. He is on the Bay Area Mount Rushmore. Mm. This is a guy that is going to go down as probably a top 15, if not top 10 player of all time, depending on how many chips he can get towards the end of his career. I'm totally fine with him not taking a pay cut. That James Harden, that's larceny. He's going to option in and get his $47 million next year. And that dude he is, stinks. He's cooked. He's cooked. He is, he is clearly a shell of the, of the player he once was. But as it relates to Steph, I'm with you. I think there are few players that mean as much to an organization, and I would even extrapolate from that and say the brand. Yeah. Basketball. He's the poster, man. He's the goodwill ambassador. This guy, he leads the exemplary life. You talk about James Harden. Yeah, there's James Harden on one end of the spectrum making 47 mil, and then there's somebody like that of a Steph Curry who does it the right way. If you're ever going to pay a guy, it's Steph, and you don't even pay him enough. $50 million in terms of what it is that he means to your team, what it is that he means to the sport, I mean, that's that doesn't even begin to sort of get into what his significance 
to basketball, generally speaking. I mean, this guy goes on the road, and three-quarters of the stadium is there to see one guy. Yeah, and the relevancy, I know a lot of people may not want to hear it, uh, may disagree with me, but the relevancy of the Golden State Warriors starts in 2009, and it's going to end whenever Stephen Curry hangs him up. I agree with like, you. That's just what it is. That guy is the Golden State Warriors, and he, you know, he's got Clay, he's got Draymond, but let's not kid ourselves. I mean, people are people come to play with him. People come to watch him play, and that's pretty much the bottom line. Players come and go, and you can even you can even say, hey, listen, the Warriors may still win championships. They potentially could do that. But every now and then, every 50, 100 years, someone like that comes down the pipe. And it doesn't happen frequently. And you just ride that wave. Just enjoy it while it lasts. Because you're right, once he's gone, Jordan Poole isn't the next step. He's, he's the reason why teams go out and throw money at Nicholas Batum. He's why they throw out money at, you know, why, why Wiggins will get a big contract. He's the reason why you throw money at Kevin Love, why you throw <laughs> money at players that, you know, to the, to the naked eye, to the public eye, just don't deserve it. Because just you're throwing money at them in the hopes that they can be a sliver of what Curry has been to this organization. Everyone is looking for that guy. And to find one, you're, you're dumb if you don't not only keep it, obviously, which, which they have, but reward him for what he's done. And, you know, he's, he needs a, he needs, he's going to need a lot of help from his teammates in order to get to the title, to get past Phoenix or Dallas, whoever they're going to face in the Western Conference Finals. But moving forward, uh, it's, it's a foregone conclusion. Like, Steph Curry is going to be a warrior until he decides not to be. Yeah, and then there's going to be a void. Because it's not like Buster Posey, you know, who leaves and as significant as he was to this, you know, this organization when you're talking about the San Francisco Giants. I mean, you, you move on. You miss the guy. But I don't know that there has been a Bay Area athlete. I don't know that there has been a basketball player with the significance of that of a Steph Curry. And I'd put that not only here in the Bay Area, but throughout the NBA that has, has meant as much to one team and to maybe the sport in general. I mean, Michael Jordan, certainly Kobe, but he's in that rarefied air. And so once they leave the sport, it's never the same. You can win NBA titles, but in terms of, of the energy, the popularity, all the sort of peripheral things that he meant to basketball, once that's gone, it's gone. So enjoy it, right? Oh, that, that's all you can do. I mean, we saw this year with – I mean, I was, I was kind of happy to see it. The Los Angeles Lakers didn't make the playoffs. But we may never see LeBron in the playoffs again. And whether people hate him or not, that guy is – in the basketball world, a deity. Like, he is one or two or, or three, wherever you put him. But we may never get a chance to see him at his best again. And that, to me, is you know, just a reminder to, like you said, appreciate what you have going with the Warriors. This may be their final run. I don't think it will be. I think the window to, to title contention remains open at least through next season. Hopefully, Poole and the, and the youth and the core that they have coming up can get them back to the to the finals you know, beyond next season, but there's no guarantee. This could be the last potential playoff run for the Warriors, and that is even more to your point yeah. why we need to appreciate well, it. Well, that's interesting. Let's just say for the sake of conversation that the Warriors, they lose in game six, they have to play a game seven, and they lose to Memphis. Or let's say that they get, you know, blown out by Phoenix. Not that any of these things are going to come to fruition. Certainly, you know, they beat Memphis and they're moving on. But just for, again, 
for the sake of putting some meat on the bone and and chopping this up, w- would there be any consideration that maybe they needed to go in a direct another direction? Yeah, I guess it depends on how they exit out of the postseason. But would it even would it be the furthest thing from the mindset of Lakeham and the executives that make these decisions that maybe maybe not blow up the core, but maybe one of the key pieces needs to go. That that's been an, an idea that I've seen floated around. I am against that because of what we've discussed for the first, you know, two plus hours of this show. I think what we've learned in this playoffs is that across the entire board, the teams that win are the teams that are the most cohesive. The, I mean, they have the best players, they have talent, but those teams, like, that's not good enough anymore. Like, just because you have the best player in a series, we saw it against against Denver. Jokic is a back-to-back MVP. They got beaten five games. You need to have talent, you need to have chemistry, and you need to have it all at the right time. And to me, the Warriors have built to this point a core of guys with their current big three and then their upcoming, hopefully, big three with Poole being at the forefront of that. You need to be able to find a way to keep that together. Like, if you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, they're pretty much a homegrown team. They are, whether they go down today or not, they are, until the end of today, the defending champions in the NBA. Giannis, drafted by Milwaukee. Chris Middleton, second-round pick for Milwaukee. Uh, Brooke Lopez was a trade. Drew Holiday was a, was a trade. But the majority of those guys, their best players are homegrown, and they brought them together and created a chemistry that we've seen for the past two postseasons have success. Now you look at Boston, Tatum, Brown. All, the, the main pieces in their system were you know, groomed and developed. You look at Phoenix. They did, they did bring in Chris Paul, but Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are drafted by Phoenix. Those are their best players. The Warriors, obviously, Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Like, that is something that I think goes a little bit under the radar because it's kind of unquantifiable. Like, you can't really, you know, say statistically who the best three is or if they're better because they've played together for a long time. But I believe, and, and you know this from playing, Dan, like, when you're playing with your guys out there, you're just in a better state of mind. Like, you're just in a more of a rhythm, and if you get out of it, they know how to get you back on track. So that's, to me, why... Even if they lose in the Western Conference Finals, you run it back in the hopes that some of the things that went wrong this year as far as injuries, you know, Clay was out for the first half of the year, Draymond missed time, Curry missed time. That doesn't happen again next year. And you also de- depend on the fact that Poole's going to be a year older. You're going to have Wiseman coming back. Kaminga's going to be another year in, or his second year in the NBA. Like, you, I think you bet on chemistry more than you bet on the singular talent. Yeah, I'm with you. I would give two examples. First of all, the Los Angeles Lakers, who did yeah. the complete opposite of what it is that you're talking about. They went and sort of got eclectic. Let me just go get a bunch of guys. Let's go get Westbrook. Let's go get all of these guys and see if it works. They all stink. Not only did they all stink, but there wasn't what it is that you're talking about. And there's something to the fact that it is your guys, your boys, you came up through this system. And I think that is a key ingredient to winning. One thing I would say, however, is that as a GM, whether it's baseball, football, or basketball, you want to stay ahead. And when I say stay ahead is that you don't want to get old together. There's that fine line of of sentimentality. Like, these guys are so great, can't get rid of them. They got to go out the right way. That's fine in the perfect world. But going out the right way, meaning let them just walk off to the sunset and write their own ticket, Meanwhile, they're no longer good. 
and now a five sub 500 basketball team. Well, at least we did right by them. You got to stay ahead. of He can't get old. There's no sentimentality when it comes to professional sports. Now, not that they're at that level, but as a GM, as Bob Myers, you got to recognize that, okay, now not only are they a half step slower, but they're clearly a step and a half slower. Am I getting passed up by Memphis? But the good thing for the Golden State Warriors is you don't have to go out and find that next quote-unquote core through trades of free agency. You've got that, that underswell, again, of kids that have come up and done it only one way, and that's through getting drafted by the Golden State Warriors, whether that's Moody, whether that's Kaminga, or Jordan Poole. So they position themselves well to usher in, again, the next stage of whatever that is for Golden State Warrior basketball while maintaining what it is that you talked about, that cohesiveness. I think the Warriors have tried to model their team, their success, their longevity after, you know, the San Antonio Spurs. Like, that is a team that for a long period of time was competitive year in and year out. I don't have the numbers specifically, but the amount of 50-win seasons those guys threw up in a row between Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, and all the rest of those pieces was fantastic. My point here is, from the time they won their first title as a, as a core, I know they did win it in 99, a strike-shortened season. That was Duncan without the rest of the pieces. From the time they won it in 2005 to their final title together as a core in 2013, that gives them like an eight-year window in which they were competing for championships year in and year out. You look at the Warriors. 2015, they first won it. We're coming up on that eight-year window in which – you are still able to retain your core. I'm not saying the reason why I would want to run it back next year is because you only have eight years. But my point is, you're going, like you said, you're going to have to make that decision soon. I don't think it's right now because the guys are still playing at a at a high enough level. And for Curry specifically, who is, you know, the main piece of it, he did have a fall off from last season. But I, I'm I'm gonna need another year before I make the decision of okay, maybe we need to start transitioning towards our future. Curry will be around, but maybe one of the two other pieces isn't. I don't think that's a decision for this year. I don't think it's a decision for next year, and we're going to be talking about it probably at some point. But to me, this team right here is, like, you can't touch it. Like, you can't mess with a good thing. And I think that where the Warriors have found success in the past, it's because they didn't tinker. Like, they ha- they've had chances in the past to trade – young pieces, important pieces to go out and get a big-name guy, which is what everyone seems to be clamoring for, and they have been clamoring for each of the past two seasons. First, it was Bradley Beal. Last offseason, it was Ben Simmons. They dodged that bullet. But that's why you don't mess with what you have because, to me, the big three haven't demonstrated a deep enough fall. Like, they haven't walked off a cliff as far as their talent's concerned. not at all. And they're still getting you to the Western Conference Finals in their first year back together. So to me, I am only expecting them to get better next season, and I also expect the coaching staff, the front office, to be better at managing their health based on what we saw ail them this year, which was injuries. And I also would say that as you have this youth movement that is right behind them, it's that blend, right? Isn't it that balance of you guys and you guys getting older but still being very good? As you mentioned, it's the one <laughs> teams in the Western Conference Finals, but also that blend of Jordan Poole, the blend of, yeah, and, I'm, and we haven't got, look, at man, it's almost coming up on 1130, and we haven't done JK. All right, <laughs> I'm getting wrapped. When we come back, time to talk Jonathan Kaminga. It's time for the JK must-play rant. Dan Avone, 
Evan Giddings, and my man Brian behind the glass continue on 95-7 The Game after this. Thompson pulls up, jumper over Bain, knocked down another one. He's dialed in. It's game six, Clay. He is three for three beyond the arc. Now back to 95-7, the game. Clay Thompson would finish 30 and leading the Golden State Warriors to that victory over the Memphis Grizzlies, setting up another appearance, the sixth in the last eight years in the Western Conference Finals, where they await the winner of Dallas and Phoenix, which will go off. Uh, early this evening, late this afternoon, 5.30 is, is the tip. We have got, we got to get this thing sponsored. Play JK segment. <laughs> Play JK. Oh, my God. Time once again for the rant. I don't know where you're at with this, Ev. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn a lot more about you as my new host and my new partner here on 95.7 The Game. And within the next five minutes, we're going to decide as to whether or not we're sort of like on the same page and this is going to be a, one of those unions that, that are meant to be, or that we're just going to be, you know, it's going to be Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Depends on if you want to be Amber Heard. <laughs> Man, that woman can act. <laughs> and I don't mean uh, on the big screen. Anyways, I just think when I see this team, as much as we have talked about, right, that they are so exclusive to jump shooting. And, yes, game six, Clay, huge. But without him, and if you're missing shots, there's got to be another way to score the basketball. And I think you have to pressure the rim. We talked about Steph getting to the rim because I think where he's at in his career right now, I think he's more effective because he finishes like nobody else getting to the rim. And his mid-range, man, his mid-range is amazing. I know it's not three and it's one digit less, but those mid-range two are absolute money. Not that you abandon the three entirely, but I think he's more effective in that realm. But what they don't have is the size and the athleticism of one gentleman by the name of Jonathan Kaminga. And J.K., it's not that he needs to play next year or they need to massage and develop him. I think that he needs to play now. I think in this postseason, he is going to win you a game. He is going to make a name for himself, but it's all dependent on whether Brown and or Coach Kerr give him that opportunity. Well, it's funny, Dan, because we've been cruising along here for the first two and a half hours. We've been moving to make a beta breakers analogy for those out there listening along in their race. By the way, going off today. Absolutely. Took us an extra hour to get into the station. And, you know, we're, we're, we're cruising through the first 10 miles of the race. We're, we're running side by side. I, I think this is where we might hit that runner's wall because I don't think Jonathan Kaminga is the answer right now. In the future, I think he has the potential to to fill in we were talking about what's going to happen with Poole and Wiggins. What do you got to make the decision? I think Kaminga makes that decision very easy. Like, I pay Poole because I know that Jonathan Kaminga, in a year or two, will be good enough to slot in Andrew Wiggins' position and hopefully thrive. But right now, rookies don't win championships. They don't. Like, you look across the history of the NBA. There, there are a few examples that people will pull out of their hats in order to, to disprove my point here. If Jonathan Kaminga was Tim Duncan, if he was Magic Johnson, if he was a couple of those guys that I just named that have won in their rookie or second season, we would know it by now. There's a reason why Jonathan Kaminga at 19 years of age is not playing in a big playoff game. I know this is going to sound terrible to a lot of people there, but Damian Lee is. 
because whether he's a better talent in the future, no question. Kaminga is going to surpass uh, his vertical. I mean, he, he is he is incredible. He is a physical specimen. But right now, I need guys that I can trust. And yes, he may give you an, a, a highlight-worthy play. He might be able to take it into the chest of a DeAndre Ayton or for Dallas, a, a Dorian Finney-Smith or a, a Dwight Powell. Like, he might be able to get to the rim offensively. But defensively, he looks like he's 19. Like, he doesn't understand right now, I think, what it takes to play defense at a playoff caliber level, at a championship pedigree level. And that is my concern. It's not what he does offensively, although sometimes he, he does look a little bit lost. Like, he, he's, he's good on the offensive end. I think defensively, he's just not... Like, for as much of a dog as he is on the offensive side and as much aggression as he plays with when he attacks the rim... It doesn't seem to translate to the other 45 feet of the court, and that's what concerns me because you can't have a guy that's a coin flip on the floor in a crucial situation in a playoff game, and I don't know if he'd be in the fourth quarter, but it sounds like that's the type of action that you're asking for when the Warriors are looking for answers. And to me, Kaminga's just not that guy, and that's why we haven't seen him. I don't want to see him in the fourth quarter necessarily unless he earns those minutes. I'm not saying that you close with Kaminga. I do think that he is a good defender and a reason why he was locked up with jaw. And yes, he's raw and he's still learning. And just to get back to your point and make it analogous to Tim Duncan. No, he's not Tim Duncan because rookies, you're right. In terms of being that star and winning an NBA championship, it happens infrequently. But he's not the central figure in this. He's more like Kawhi Leonard to Tim Duncan. So Kawhi Leonard go back to his rookie year and what he meant to Tim Duncan in an NBA championship. He's that accessory piece that I think is going untapped. And I think that you don't play him in the fourth quarter, but there are going to be matchups and opportunities for this guy this year where, again, he possesses a skill set that nobody, as you look down that bench and the players that are available to you, can provide. There's one guy. At 6'8 and 235, whatever he is, that can get his, that can ISO, go out the rim, and challenge other people. Otherwise, you're living and dying behind the stripe. And I'm not saying that he has got to be the central figure. It's not that he's going, you're going to ride him to an NBA championship, but there is there is a little something, something sitting there at the end of the bench, and discard him entirely, I think, would be a mistake. I knew if I go Kaminga, we would open up the phone lines. Let's start things. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Sam Bruno is the location. Hello, Vince. What's going on, my man? Welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning. Great show. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you know, with Kaminga, I think he has potential, but you know, it, it, it was experience. The lack of experience was why I felt like the Memphis Grizzlies lost to us, especially when Dylan Brooks was chucking up all those shots. You know, on a must-win. I think it's tough watching Kaminga, burst of energy, getting a charge, throwing turnovers, and and, and fouling. Um, he might be ready, just not just not quite yet. I think he's going to have to be seasoned and marinated a little bit. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Vince. And listen, I know that's the consensus after watching him play, and it's easy right now to sort of say, let's walk away from the kid. I am telling you that if you're somebody that can think outside of the box, if you're a visionary and you want to be one of those coaches that does things a little differently, 
Roll the dice with this kid. You will be rewarded. Joe in San Francisco. Well, Joe, give me a second. Here. And Brian is producing his butt off. We'll get to Joe hanging out who wants to get in on Kaminga as well. Oh, here we go. Joe, what do you got, my man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Dan, 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 once again, you and I depart <laughs> ways on, on things. It could be Jimmy. It could be Draymond or something. But you, you love to swim in the water, and I, I swim too, so you and I are tight, all right? So it's all in good nature here. The thing I agree, Kaminga is going to be great, but you keep saying nobody can do this. There's a guy on the team, oh, you can look it up, his name is Andrew Wiggins, mm-hmm. the same height as Jonathan Kaminga. Kaminga. And I'll tell you the reason why Jonathan, Andrew's better right now at going to the rack and stuff. It's the same, same thing that Poole does. The few times I've seen Kaminga with the ball, he, he had it against um, the Grizz, he grabbed the ball, he was like, dribbling, he backed it in, he came out, he, you know, and he, he took it and he shot, he made like a 10-footer, it was a beautiful shot, bounced around and in. But it takes so long for him to set his shot up. It's the same thing that Poole sometimes does when he dribble, dribble, dribble back, you know, dribble, dribble, tries to juke people out. And, you know, the times that he chucks the shot up instead of just going for it. The problem with that is when you are slow in your offensive move, you allow the defense to set up. Other people, the other guys, they, they get into passing lanes, they they eliminate, you know, they get their arms up. He is slow in his attack to the rim. I'm not talking fast breaks. I'm talking in like the half court. So uh, Wiggins is, you see, he dribbles, he jumps up, pops, he throws the ball, and, you know, that little hook. So right now, Kaminga doesn't have that skill set because he's too slow in his moves. And in the playoffs, that slowness is very problematic because it messes the rest of the offense up. So I appreciate that, but Wiggins is the one who can do this right now and not Jonathan. Thanks, Joe. That's a good point. I would just counter with this by saying that when I want to use him is, let's just say we're spinning our wheels and we're not hitting threes. Now all of a sudden we can't score the basketball. Yes, Andrew Wiggins can get to the rim, and he's, he's right. I omitted Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins is that one guy who can also, you know, get to the rim. But but Wiggins doesn't play through contact like this kid. But I think what what Kaminga can do for you, if you get stuck again and you're not shooting it well, let him go ISO. Do it a different way. And let him get to the rim and either draw a foul or get other people in foul tr- trouble and or get some buckets until the other guys get unglued and then you get back to where you were. There is a piece there that's being untapped. And I'm telling you, I'm going to stick with this throughout the postseason. And at some point, Joe, you will come back to me and say, Dan, my man, you had it right. But for right now, you can get after me because he hasn't played well up to this point. Aaron's in Oakland. Go ahead. What do you got, Ed? I was just going to say, it doesn't sound like you're arguing that he should be on the floor for the, the 25 or 30 minutes. Like, But when Nemanja Bielitsa plays eight minutes in, a, in an elimination game and goes, you know, he's a negative two in terms of plus minus, like, your argument is that Kaminga could give you those minutes and perhaps open up the offense just because of what he di- what he brings dynamically. Like that's that's what you're trying to get at, right? Like he he's not going to be the focal point, but when the three ball isn't falling and you need someone to take it and attack the rack, Kaminga is the guy that you would rather go to instead of a Bielitsa, a Lee, 
uh, maybe even a Porter Jr. if he's available. Yeah, and I'm not down on D. Lee. He's a he's a, he doesn't do a lot of things that if you're watching it from the optics, you're like, oh my god, why is that guy in the game? Well, it's, he's smart, and at this at this stage, you want to go with the cerebral players. You're right. I think he can unlock things, and I also think that he's the sort of guy that can get into a rhythm where he can take over a game. I know that's a large statement, but just give this dude an opportunity. Aaron's in Oakland. What's up, Aaron? Welcome to the show. Hey, Dan, long-time listener. I agree with a lot of your takes, bro, but on this, I'll, I'll take the stand and say I differ hugely. Kaminga, I'm going to come at this two ways. The business leverage, he's the guy that you can get a lot of value out on a trade with what he's done already. Fool is your future. Wiggins is his wingman, if you want to call him that for a minute. Do the Batman-Robin duo. But the idea that you have a contingency player for a certain situation when that works, that's not like – something that I want in my player. I want a guy who can get out there and get it done all the way. And I agree with your earlier caller. He takes too long to get it done. And you get and that's not who the Warriors are. They're not set up, execute. They're running gun and smash. I like Kaminga. I think he has more value on the market to build the dynasty and keep it going. I think Poole extends uh, the dynasty that's here uh, longer. And you let, you let the big three pour into Wiggins and, and Poole, I think you get further than trying to develop Kaminga. I, I like him, but he's a role player to me, and he's got more value on the chopping block, bro. That's- Good job, Aaron. Thanks so much. Good insight. Let's get out to Martinez and stand by as Greg. Greg, what's going on with you this afternoon? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having my call. Uh, I disagree with that. I think it's all about ball placement and where Kaminga gets fed the ball. Uh, when they leave him in isolation too far out from the wing, too far from the basket, he has to work too hard to get his shot off. But when he's fed directly in the post, he's more effective because he draws a lot of fouls and he's getting better at his free throw. So they could use him better. But I also noticed when Steph and Clay and Draymond, on the, he's on the floor with them, he gets lost uh, because Steph and, and Draymond, they change plays on the fly. He doesn't know where to be at. And one thing I like him to get better at is rebounding, missed shots like Looney. Uh, he could be more effective in going back up on a second attempt in drawing fouls. But uh, I'll take your answer off the air. I appreciate it. No, hey, Greg, man, that, you, you you got it, man. You got it. Because I don't think he has the wherewithal right now when they get into that flow. There are no scripted plays here, right? This isn't Hoosiers. This is not like X's and O's. This is about feel. It's about the nuances you talked about when guys grow up together and play together, there is that sort of mental telepathy that's going on. I know where you're going to be. Draymond knows where. And he, he sometimes gets lost in that. I think his contribution could be go get, go get putbacks. Use your athleticism to get rebounds and garbage and then get a level of confidence that way as well. What's up, Brian? So you talk about Kaminga being a finisher. What do you think the comp would be for Kaminga? Maybe like a poor man's Harrison Barnes? Because remember when we talked about when Harrison Barnes got drafted, oh, he can't really make plays, but he's a play finisher. He's not a playmaker. So if Kaminga can actually get to that level of Harrison Barnes, I think that they would be very lucky to have him on their team. I don't think that they want him to be Harrison Barnes <laughs> at all. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying to be Harrison Barnes, but like a kind of play finisher like he was. I think they want Kaminga to be 
a perennial all-star, which Harrison Barnes never was, nor will he ever be. I mean, Harrison Barnes was great in his role. I see what you're saying, Brian. But if you drafted Harrison, I mean, pardon me, Jonathan Kaminga to step into the Harrison Barnes role, I, I think you're. I, I think you made the wrong pick. Like that's it. Just simply comes down to it. You need him to be along with Poole, the co. I don't want to call him a splash brother, but that kind of one-two punch of the future. Like, that's what you drafted Kaminga for. And I think that's where playoff experience does have some value. And I would agree with you, Dan, about Kaminga. It isn't necessarily that he can help them in this series uh, or, or right now, you know, be the whatever gets them over the top to a championship. But the experience that he will gain in the playoffs now will be incredibly valuable in the future. You brought up Kawhi Leonard and how he helped in his age 21 season, the Spurs won a championship. He'd already played in a playoff series his yep. rookie season before. So it's not like that was his first time, you know, stepping into a big role in the playoffs. I think there is something to be said for wanting to get him in the game. My concern is just that the deeper you go into the playoffs, even though it's maybe five minutes, maybe it's eight minutes off the bench in the second quarter, those could be the minutes that lose you the game. And if Jonathan Kaminga is out there, you know, he he can be incredible. He can be highlight worthy. He can certainly add a boost of adrenaline to your offense and hopefully defense. But if he's not having those games, if he does look like a deer in the headlights, which, you know, let's say he has one game on, one game off, like you need to be tight against a team like Phoenix or Dallas. And then, of course, in the finals, you need to own each and every minute of the 48. And to me, Kaminga compromises that a little bit. Let's get out to Charles, who's hanging out in Oakland and wants to talk about the young rookie, 19 years of old age. We're talking about Jonathan Kaminga. Charles, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, right on. Thank you. All right, so with the Kaminga thing, I actually agree with you on this one, Dan, because I think that Kaminga could be utilized a little bit more. As far as him being young and the guy talking about Trey Kaminga, he 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 really I don't know what he's talking about with that one. Not to disrespect the dude, but I mean, come on now, he's 19 years old. A lot of people need to understand that he's a kid. Now his skill set that he brings to the table, you're right on point on. He can go to the hoop. People can't really guard him. He's strong. He's getting better at free throws. He can finish. The as far as if like you could lose the game with the minutes that he plays or or you're afraid that he's not going to perform because the, uh, the pressure's too big, I would actually, I would actually take the, the stance of challenge this kid to, to basically take, seize the moment. And if he doesn't seize the moment, that's why we have timeouts, players like Draymond Green, Steph Curry, things like that. You already have the structure in place. It's not like you're throwing them out there and you're going, hey, be Magic Johnson in Game 7, or hey, be like Tim Duncan. And a lot of these kids nowadays, they didn't go to school for four years like Tim Duncan or three or two years like Magic Johnson. So they don't have the same experience. But these are the types of experiences that they would have when they were in the tournament like those players. So you, you, have, to, you, have, to, you have to win the game, but you also have to understand that it's also important for this guy to play because he is the future. And he's not a role player if he comes to his fruition. He's a star. Oh, hell yes. That's what I have to say about Kaminga. Good job, Charles. Yeah, this, totally. is, this is not a role player. This is a guy that if – and not that there is, but if you want to go down this road and say, okay, when Steph Curry walks off to the sunset, who could be that next guy? It's this dude. And, again, there's a long way between here and, and there, right? We're trying to get places that – I mean, we got we to gotta crawl before we walk, walk before we run. I get it. But if there's, if there's a player that has a sort of dynamic capability, the scary athleticism, the special quality, the twinkle in the eye, 
it is this guy. As, as good as Jordan Poole is, this is the guy that I think can be the difference maker and can be the centerpiece of your team. I, I would say this. Everybody seems to feel as though, even though Ev, you to a certain degree as well, that, yeah, there's room for him to develop and let's you know let him play so that this will benefit him next year and years to come. That's all true. And maybe I'm not living in the real world, but not only can he develop this year, but he can help you win right now. And I think it takes a special coach to roll the dice and recognize, because, yeah, conventional wisdom like that of Mike Brown, you're too young, you're too raw, you made some mistakes on the biggest stage, I can't have that, you're sitting, you're not playing. I think a coach, and I think when Steve Kerr comes back, will give him some minutes because he recognizes that there's a chance that this guy with this crazy upside can do things that nobody not only anticipates, but nobody can stop. I think that there is the potential for that. And I expect him to reach that potential. Like, he's he is incredible. And he's going to be a force, hopefully, for a long time in this league, ideally in a Golden State Warriors uniform. That time is not right now. I mean, I'm just going through his, his box scores from the playoff games and the playoff minutes that he's been granted so far this season. I'm seeing a sing. I know, I know plus minus isn't the end-all, be-all stat. But there has been one game in which Jonathan Kaminga has played in that he has not been a net negative on the floor. And that one game, he was even. He was zero. So he has not been a positive when he has played. That's why, to me, like if you look at three games in this Memphis series for the Warriors, three games decided by five points or less. They lost by five. They won by one in game one. They won by three. Well, should have been six, if not for a half-court heave by Dylan Brooks. So they won by three in game uh, three or four. So half the series basically is a, is a two-possession series. That's why, to me, like obviously the game's not decided in the second quarter, to, to Charles's point, but if you insert Kaminga and you allow the other team to go on a 6-0, 7-0 run, like we have seen sometimes when he's on the court, against a team like Denver or Memphis, that may not kill you, but against a team like Phoenix or Dallas or Milwaukee, or Boston, or Miami, those are the cream of the crop, and those teams will make you pay for your mistakes in ways that the, the Warriors' previous two opponents so far haven't done. All right. Wow, Brian wants me to go to a break. I was just about to crush our my, my, part, my new partner here. Yeah. He's got like 60 seconds left, Brian. Come on. I want to feel this heat. It's the first time I've been in this booth. What no, do you got? We are going to go to the break, and I am just going to – I'm coming both barrels. I don't care that he that he's the – this is the JK at 95-7. The game. It doesn't matter. I don't care that this is the rookie of the year. I'm going after everybody's rook and everybody's favorite, that being Evan Giddings. We want to take a quick call or we want to get out of here, Brian? All right. Caller, hang in there. Callers, yeah. hang in there. We'll get to all of you. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about Jonathan Kaminga. We'll talk about the Warriors. And I'm sorry i got to get the turnovers. And how do we cut those things down? Warriors basketball here at 95-7. The game rolls along with Evan Giddings and Dan Avone after this. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.